That is the expression of my heart for the new year. Lord, we're going into new territory, places that we have not been, experiences that we have not had before, challenges. When we turned the calendar a couple years back to 2020, none of us knew on January 1st, 2020, what that year would look like. And by March, we realized that it was going to be quite a different year than we'd ever had. Who knows what this year will hold? Hopefully nothing like 2020, um, but uh, still, for some of us, I'm sure there will be challenges. For some, there will be opportunities. But I want to say, Lord, I am going to walk with my hand in yours, and I'm going to obey you. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. I want to talk to you for a little bit this morning about the challenge of the new. The challenge of the new. You know, what is new is unfamiliar, and what is unfamiliar is often uncomfortable. Whether it turns out to be a negative or a positive. Sometimes there are many positive things that come into our lives that are new, and simply because they are new, they're unfamiliar and therefore uncomfortable. Whether you anticipate good or bad, whatever the case, this coming year will be new. And for some of us, that might mean uh, a heart and a mind filled with fear, perhaps dread, perhaps even worry. Wouldn't it be nice if we had some kind of a warning when we were about to have a bad day? We have lights on our uh, dashboard, the gauge, uh, the gauges, the dashboard of your car. Just one little simple example uh, is uh, when your gas tank gets too close to empty. After a certain point, most cars will have a little light that will come on. And that little light is telling you, hey, I'm sure you've been watching your gas gauge, but just in case you haven't, I'm here to tell you that you are about to run out of gas. And that little light says, you need to find a place to pull in and fill up soon. It'd be great if we had some kind of warning like that that would say, hey, you are about to have a bad day. Maybe you should just go back to bed. No, we can't do that. Whether we're facing a bad day or a good day, we still have to get up and face the day. Here's a list that I borrowed from Stan Toller. Some of you will know that name. He said, you know it's going to be a bad day when you return from vacation and find a new name on your mailbox. You know it's going to be a bad day when you stop at the Motel 6 and they turn the lights off. You know it's going to be a bad day when you walk into work and your boss tells you not to bother taking off your coat. You know that it's maybe going to be a bad day when the bird singing outside your bedroom window is a buzzard. 
you know it's going to be a bad day when you wake up in the morning and your dentures are locked together. I don't know what that's like yet. Maybe some of you do. You know it's going to be a bad day when you step on the bathroom scale and it says one at a time. The challenge of the new. I want to read to you some passages, uh, some verses of Scripture from Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Good memory verse, by the way, Joshua 1.8. Good verse for you to memorize and uh, meditate on. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's bow our hearts for prayer. Father, we thank you for this good word. We thank you that while we face new territory and unfamiliar responsibilities, we know that you are a God who has promised to go with us. Lord, help us to follow Help us to walk with our hand in yours, to walk in obedience, and Lord, we know that you will give us a good year. And Father, we're looking to you, trusting you. Would you do in our hearts and in this service all that you wish to accomplish? In Jesus' name, amen. This scripture reading comes at a crucial moment, both in the life of the nation of Israel and also in the life of Joshua himself. We read in the first few verses that Moses has died. Moses is the one that you remember God gave uh, the responsibility for leading the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Joshua has been Moses' assistant for quite some time and actually worked 
under Moses even before uh, the Scripture names him as Moses' assistant. Joshua has been groomed for this moment. He has been prepared for this time. He has been Moses' right-hand man for quite a number of years now. He, along with Caleb, had been the only ones that served as spies. Do you remember that story when they first came with Moses and the children of Israel to to the border of the promised land, and, and Moses sent spies across uh, to, to spy out the land. And all of them came back and said, oh, the land is full of giants and, and we're not going to be able to, uh, to take the land. There's, this is terrible. We, you, we should have never left Egypt. And yet there were two, Caleb and Joshua, that believed the promise of God. They were confident that God could help them, that God would lead them and bring them into the promised territory. Joshua, along with Caleb, were the only ones that believed they could have entered the promised land the first time. Yet because of the people's unbelief, because of the people's doubt and and complaining and all of that, uh, God did not allow them to enter the promised land, but he said, there's not one person of this generation that will enter my promised land except Caleb and Joshua, because they were the ones who believed. And God caused the people along with Moses after that point to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And all of that time, Joshua is serving alongside Moses. I can't imagine what that would have been like to think that after five years have gone by, 10 years have gone by, 15 years. How long does it take you think about how long it takes for just 10 years to pass. And I know the longer we live, the quicker the days and the years go by, but, but still, 10 years takes a while to go by. I can imagine Joshua having come to the border of the promised land, and then because the people failed to believe God, they were forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of that generation had passed off the scene and a new generation came along, someone that God could lead into the promised land. Yet apparently it seems that all that time Joshua was walking faithfully, serving faithfully beside Moses, and now he is about to face a new role and a new responsibility. The big shoes that Moses has left behind, it's now Joshua's responsibility to step into that position as leader and lead the people of Israel into the promised land across the Jordan River. Now, you know, there's always a chance of someone avoiding responsibility, but you don't usually admonish a person not to be afraid unless there's a really good possibility that they're going to be afraid. You understand what I'm saying? We read in this passage of Scripture two or three times, God speaking to Joshua and telling him, admonishing him, don't be afraid. Fear not. I'm with you. Don't worry. Just like I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I believe that whenever we read those kinds of things, we are to understand there's good possibility you're going to have moments of fear. 
You're going to have moments of perhaps doubt, dread, and worry. And it seems to me as if God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, whenever you cross this land and you face new responsibilities and new challenges and you come into moments where you are uncertain of what to do, Joshua, I want you to remember this moment. Before I ever took you across the Jordan River and into the promised land, I told you there's nothing for you to be afraid of. Don't be afraid. And I believe, friends, as we face the threshold of a new year and we have turned the calendar page to 2023, God knows for all of us there may very well be moments of fear. I hope not. Every every year, every day, you know, we can all hope for the best. We should hope for the best. We ought to expect good things from God, but we do not know what the future holds. And it is just being realistic to expect that some of these days in 2023 may not be the best days that we've ever had. There may be moments that we dread, moments that we fear. But I believe we can look to this scripture and as God admonished Joshua, we can hear God admonishing and challenging us. Be strong and courageous for I will not leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid. When Joshua was about to step into this new role, God admonishes us, uh, God admonishes him, tells him as leader of the nation of Israel with the responsibility of leading in the conquest of the promised land. God gives Joshua four familiar constants, things that, are, that will not change, four things that will be familiar to him as he faces unfamiliar territory, and unfamiliar challenges. The first thing is familiar boundaries. Familiar boundaries. Notice, if you will, verses 3 and 4 of Joshua chapter 1. First thing God says is, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. This promise goes further back than that. As a matter of fact, it's the same promise that the patriarchs received. You can go back to Genesis chapter 12 and read there that when God first called His people out, uh, he, He called them out through Abraham to be His own people. That's the promise God gave to Abraham. Every place where you put your foot, I'm going to give you. It was a familiar promise. And then he goes on to to delineate uh, the the specifications of those boundaries. In verse 4, he says, From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. So he gives them boundaries. These are, the, these are the same words that he gave to the patriarchs, every place where you put your foot, and they're the same boundaries that God gave to the children of Israel through Moses. You can look back to Numbers chapter 34. God had there uh, delineated the exact same boundaries, perhaps maybe a little different phrasing, a little different words. You know, we usually think of boundaries as limiting they're restrictive. But, you know, boundaries really are not restrictive. They're liberating. It is well known 
that children who are the most secure and happy are the ones who know their boundaries. They're the ones who know what and where they're free to go, what they're free to do. You watch the child that has been left to be free to determine their own course of action, to do what they want to do. They have not been given uh, much or any discipline, and they have not been uh, given boundaries. Those are going to be some of the most unhappy and discontented children you will ever see. I knew about this concept, and, and uh, I'm sure if you've listened or read anything about child-rearing, child psychology, you are familiar with this concept as well. And you can do, and I didn't take a lot of time to read uh, much, but I just did a quick internet search to see what I would get. And a quick internet search on this topic, boundaries for children, and, and that help them to feel secure and happy. Um, over 23 million hits on that topic. In other words, over 23 million web pages that address this, and they're from all different spectrums of the topic, from, from the very liberal perspective to the more conservative perspective. They all say that children need boundaries and they are more happy and secure when they have those boundaries. Do you know that the boundaries mentioned here encompass more land than Israel ever occupied? Israel never fully occupied all the land that God intended them to have. Now, there was a time, I believe, under David and Solomon that most of this land at least gave tribute to the nation of Israel. But Israel never occupied all of that land. God gave them more than they ever possessed. This, to me, suggests God's generosity with His people. We are often content, one writer said, we are often content with what we hope to be significant smallness when God wants big things for us. I'm not talking about grandiose dreams. I'm just saying that God has, God wants big things for His people. God has big plans for you. And when God gives us boundaries, they are not intended to to restrict us or hem us in. They are intended to set us free. You say, Pastor, I understand the concept of boundaries when, when God is bringing the children of Israel into the promised land and He's telling them, okay, here's your land. This is the part that I'm giving you. But what does this have to do with we as Christians today? How are we to understand our boundaries? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, the Apostle Paul gives us these words, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And the word that is used there for rule is the word that is often used literally for an umpire in, in athletic games. It is the word used for the one who calls what is inbounds and safe or out of bounds. 
And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us that we as Christians, if we will tune in to God's voice and God's direction, that His Spirit will guide us and let us know day by day, moment by moment, where our boundaries are. And if we begin to get too close to the edge, God will let us know and nudge us whether that be through the voice of conscience or whether that be through God's word or a message we have heard, God is able to speak to his people and let us know what the boundaries are, familiar boundaries. Friends, as we go into a new year, we go into new territory, we face new challenges. But can I just tell you that God will be the same faithful God, the Holy Spirit will be faithful just as He has always been to lead and to guide us and let us know what is in bounds and what is out of bounds. It is so comforting to know when we face unfamiliar territory that the boundaries are the same. God will lead us. God also gave Joshua not just familiar boundaries, but He gave him a familiar point of reference, a familiar point of reference. God said to Joshua, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. You see, Joshua had been working and walking alongside Moses for quite some time. And Joshua had seen how God used Moses to lead the people of Israel. He had seen clearly the presence and power and provision of God in Moses' life. And he knew what that looked like. And here God tells Joshua, just as I was with Moses. I'll be with you. You know, I, my mom and dad were here a couple days ago, and uh, we were driving somewhere together. We drove over one night to, to uh, Yukon to look at the lights, and uh, uh, I believe it was my mom that, that said as we were driving, she said something like, oh, I guess you've gotten to know your way around pretty well by now. I said, oh, yeah, you know, it's been eight, going on nine years. Yeah, I guess I know my way around pretty well. Um, But, you know, one of the things I learned quickly, I don't know if you can tell from where you're at, but that is a map of Oklahoma City and and surrounding areas. Um, I've learned that not everybody can do this. That's okay. Um, You have your GPS if you need it. But Oklahoma City is arranged in such a way that it is easy to find a point of reference so that you can find your way around. I mean, you don't even have to know exactly where you are. If you know that most of the named streets go in a north and south direction and most of the numbered streets go in an east and west direction, it's, it's, a, it's a grid and all you have to do is pay attention. If, if you have a little bit of, and I know I, I, I'm speaking in general terms, I know some, some of us don't, all have a really great sense of direction. That's okay. I'm not, this is not intended to critique or criticize anybody. But if you have an okay general sense of direction, all you have to do is pay attention and see those numbered streets 
whatever part of the city you're in, and you can get a fairly good idea of where you are. It's a point of reference, and so it makes it much easier to navigate. And I can imagine Joshua, as he's facing this new role and this new responsibility and wondering, how am I going to, how am I going to face all of these responsibilities? And he hears the voice of God reminding him, as I was with Moses. I will be with you. Joshua had seen the provision of God through Moses. He had seen how uh, God had allowed water to come out of the rock to give uh, the, the people and the flocks water to drink. He had seen how God had provided manna from heaven and, and quail when they were hungry for meat and, and uh, how uh, just over and over again God had been faithful to provide through Moses. He had seen the presence of God in the life of Moses. You know that Joshua was the only one who got kind of close when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. You can read about it in the book of Exodus. And Joshua was probably the first one to see the shining face of Moses when he came down from the mountain and his face was literally, I believe, based on what Scripture says, literally aglow with the glory of God, with having been in the presence of God. Joshua was probably the first one to see it. He was there. He saw the demonstration of the power of God in all kinds of ways. One of the first incidences that we read about where Joshua is involved, Joshua was the leader of the, not really an army, but a leader of men that served as an army. We read about this in Exodus chapter 17. This is even before Joshua is named as Moses' assistant. But they face this moment when they have to go out and fight against these foreign people. And uh, Moses takes a, a position up on a rock where he can oversee the battlefield. And as long as Moses has his hands upraised, the the people that are fighting on behalf of the nation of Israel are able to win the victory and defeat their enemies. But, you know, after some time of holding your hands up, your hands get tired and and weaken and begin to slip down. And as Moses grew tired and began to weaken and his hands began to come down, the battle turned and, and their enemies began to get the better of them. And so I believe it's Aaron and her that are mentioned that come alongside and, and stand one on either side and help to hold up his hand. And as Moses' hands are upraised, Joshua and the rest of the men that are fighting for Israel, the battle turns again in their favor. Joshua saw over and over again the provision of God and the presence of God and the power of God. And God says to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, the power, the provision, the presence, I will be with you a familiar point of reference. Also, he mentions a familiar guide to success. 
a familiar guide to success. This is that verse that I mentioned to you that would be a good verse for all of us to memorize and meditate on. Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. And then he goes on to say, if you do, you will have good success. I am interested in good success in the new year. Amen? I am interested in seeing good things happen and making progress both personally and in, in our church and, and the people that I love and that I pray for. I, I'm hoping for good things. I'm hoping for good things for you. And friends, the best thing that I could recommend to you, if you want to see success in your life and you say, well, pastor, what do you mean by success? I'm not talking about success from the world's point of view. But I'm talking about success from God's point of view, from, from you and I living and having the kind of life that God intends for us to have. The best thing that I can recommend to you is that you read and study God's Word and apply it to your life. Not just to, to read it in an intellectual way, but to read it in a practical way to say, what does this mean for me and how can I put this into practice in my life? The idea behind this is, uh, I, I kind of think of the old saying uh, to the person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Have you ever heard that? Well, that is usually used in a, with kind of a negative connotation. But I want to flip it around and give it a positive connotation. To the person with a hammer, everything looks like a nail. In other words, they think that the hammer's all they need. Well, there is truth here, friends. And to the person with God's Word as their guide, it, it, it will lead us in every way that we need. Now, it goes beyond... A, just a checklist. It is more than just a checklist. Not sure that happened. There we go. If we take God's Word simply as a checklist, then it, it will not be long before we turn into a Pharisee. You know, the Pharisees, they were the most religious of the people in the New Testament, but they were also the ones that received some of the harshest criticisms from Jesus. Because though they had been very good about trying to follow God's law as a checklist, that was all they had. They had no vital relationship with God. What God is talking about and what I'm talking about is a worldview. In other words, a set of, of lenses, I, I, as I, I don't have to look very far and I'm seeing multiple people that are wearing glasses. Um, I'm talking about a set of lenses through which you view the world that helps you see life and understand how to navigate life. It's like how you, you remember what it's like to be in school and you're trying to learn arithmetic and your teacher is giving you a new concept and uh, 
then she's, she's going to give you or, or he's going to give you an example on the board and walk you through step by step how to work that problem. And then the teacher will give you a new set of problems without the answers. And then say, now you work these new problems just like we worked the example on the board. That's kind of the idea as we think about the Scriptures as a familiar guide to success. We will face different problems and different situations from day to day, but the guidance that we need will always be found according to God's Word. If not directly, then at least indirectly, there are principles that can guide us in every single situation. A familiar guide to success. But finally, this morning, a familiar presence. A familiar presence. This is my favorite part. I love these words. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. God says again, he's, He's repeating Himself. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Oh, friends, when you and I are in unfamiliar places and facing new and unfamiliar challenges, there is nothing better than to have a familiar and comforting friend at your side and to know that they will not leave you. I remember the times as a young boy when we travel around different places or, or just simply be, I don't know, I, I can remember going into familiar places. I never liked going into the church building at night when, there were, when the lights were out. I don't know why. Occasionally, though, I would stay with my dad until we were the last ones to leave the church. And this one particular part, actually, I think it was the sanctuary, for whatever reason, the, the lights, certain of the lights to be turned off were away from the door that we would use to get in and out of the building. And so that made it necessary to turn lights out, and then you had to walk through a portion of the church and the sanctuary in the dark to get to leave. And as a little boy, I never liked that part, walking through the dark. And I don't think that at that age I would have ever done it by myself. But if I was with my dad with my hand in his hand, then I would walk without dread, without worry as we left the building, walking through the dark. Friends, we may be walking at times through the dark this year, through unfamiliar and dreadful places and territory, but I want to remind you this morning that we have one who has promised to go with us, one who will never leave us nor forsake us. And Jesus still calls to us to follow him. I believe it's in Matthew chapter 15 that Jesus calls us to be his disciple. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross and deny himself and follow me. And this, he says, is the way to life, the way to life. And I, I want you to understand this morning as I conclude that Jesus' call to us to follow him is not the inspiring message of the motivational seminar speaker. 
Do you know what I mean by the motivational seminar speaker? They're the ones who, man, they are, if they're hyped up and excited and they are going to tell you how to sell more, how to whatever, you know, how to be successful in the stock market. Or I've been to those, I've been to plenty of those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I mean, some of them have good things to say and that's, that's all right. Um, but that's not the challenge that Jesus is giving us. The, the, the motivational seminar speaker is going to tell you, they're going to be excited and hyped up and hyper, and they're going to tell you how to make a million dollars just like they did. You know, they're going to tell you how life, your life can be wonderful and you can drive a fancy car and have a big fancy house and all of that. That is not what Jesus calls us to. That's not the kind of success that Jesus is talking about. You see, the, the kind of thing that Jesus is calling us to, to follow him, is more like a skilled and faithful mountain guide. You know, when you go mountain climbing, you're going to go into dangerous territory. You're going to go into places, areas where there may be danger of, of, of slipping and falling, but the good and faithful mountain guide will tell you if you will if you will strap in and follow me if you will do what i tell you to do i'm not going to tell you there's not going to be danger i'm not going to tell you there's not going to be discomfort but i will tell you we'll get you safely where you want to go and that's the way Jesus calls us, friends. Jesus calls us to follow him still into 2023. He promises us familiar boundaries. We don't have to worry uh, about the, the rules changing or the guidelines being different. Familiar boundaries. He promises us uh, a familiar point of reference. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. He promises us a, 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 familiar, a familiar presence, that he will go with us. We will not go alone. And all we have to do is follow him. Amen. Let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises of your word and for the challenge that we read there. Lord, we are glad to know that when we go into the unknown, we can walk with our hand in yours, trusting you to lead us faithfully and safely. Lord Jesus, would you help us to do what's necessary on our part we are not called to be passive, but to be active followers of Christ. Father, would you teach us your way, help us to be familiar with your voice, and help us to trust in your goodness. And Father, we know that you will lead us safely through. Father, we anticipate good things in the days to come. We pray that you will help us to follow so that we can have the kind of success that you want us to have. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.